0: I'm gonna make this place
1: your home. Good morning. It's time for the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 977. KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com with Kern County's most listened to realtor and the host of our show, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over eleven thousand families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and and puts more money in your pocket. Just Google the McCarty Group, that's M double C A R T Y, or call 661 665 SOLD, that's 661 665 7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori.
2: Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing better, but I do have a question for you. Yes, sir. When does mosquito season end? Uh,
2: Hopefully any day now. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because even still I keep getting bit I'm like it's been the longest mosquito season ever. I I know it's just
2: because you're so sweet because you've got such sweet blood.
1: (laughs) Oh man that's yeah that's I guess because it drives me crazy. I'm sorry. Uh, Well thank you so hopefully soon and how's your weekend going so far?
2: Well my weekend has been busy you know with children being back in school and most people done vacationing for the summer I think people are serious about buying we're selling homes now you know sometimes we see a little bit of a slowdown in the market right before the school year starts um, because people are trying to cram in those last minute vacations or they're trying to get everything situated for school Um, but now that uh, people are back in the groove activity in the housing market is starting to pick back up Um, what about you what are you going to do once we finish the show today
1: well, speaking of the back-to-school thing, my uh-huh. son's now in sixth grade.
2: Ooh. And, uh,
1: we got a few things, but I'm keeping an out for some bargains for some uh, back-to-school clothes. So we're still doing it. I got to do it. We got to take advantage of that. So.
2: Absolutely. And he needs a haircut,
1: so if he's listening. <laughs> you got to get a haircut.
2: <laughs> is he protesting that?
1: Yes, he is. I don't need one. Yes, you do.
2: Well, yeah. you know, sixth grade—that's that's kind of you know spread your wings age, right?
1: Yes, yes. And I've suggested a ponytail, but he said no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I uh, see so you have a guest on the roster. Who are we speaking with today, and what's our topic?
2: Well, let me shut my phone off here for a minute because <laughs> you know I forgot to do. Blowing that.
1: up—that's what happens. Hey, you know that's
2: good. People all get bright. Back to you after the show, okay? Um, so this morning we have Mark Kamyap of Appraisal Access. He is a local appraiser, and boy, I've got a ton of questions for him today. Yeah, yeah. But before I bring Mark to the mic, I have a really interesting real estate news update for everyone. You know, we have talked frequently about how the real estate market is starting to settle and to normalize, right? We all know that, and we all know that it's a good thing. Um, However, the rental market, um, not so much. Um, Hmm. It is still pretty much a frenzy. Competition for a rental in California really remains very cutthroat. Uh, Recently, a site named Rent Cafe analyzed apartment rental markets in all 50 states. And interestingly enough, There are multiple areas of California that are on the top 20 list of the most competitive rental markets in 2022. And guess what, Adelaide? What? What, Lori? (laughs) Uh, The Central Valley of California is ranked as the 14th. Most competitive rental market in the U.S.
1: Wow, (laughs) that's mind blowing. I mean, (laughs) why do you think it's one of the most competitive?
2: Well, according to the study, an e commerce and a warehousing boom in the Central Valley are cited as the causes for the spike in rental demand. Now, the study also mentions that many renters have moved inland to avoid the pricey rentals of properties located near the coast. Mm. Now, personally, I think that besides what the study mentions, this frenzied rental market here has to do with our supply of rental properties. Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, we didn't have enough rental properties prior to the spike in demand. And when you combine the increased demand with an already really low supply of rentals, I think it's a recipe for a feeding frenzy or heyday for landlords, right?
1: Ah, So, what you're telling me is that now is a good time to invest in rentals in our area?
2: Well, absolutely. All you have to do is ask anyone that you know who's a landlord how their pocketbook is faring currently, and I think Mm. they'll say, absolutely, it's a fantastic time to be owning investment property. So, if you have the ability to purchase an investment property and rent it out or this is an area of wealth building that you'd like to explore, give my team or your favorite realtor a call.
1: (laughs) Well, if I had won the lottery a few weeks ago, I would have bought up a bunch of rental properties. And I know
2: exactly who could have helped you. That would have been a really (laughs) smart use of that money. But I think, as I'm looking at the clock here, I think it's time that we take a break. And when we return, I'll introduce everyone to our guest. Be sure and stay tuned, because I think... um, You'll love what all we have to talk about today. Um, You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors. Here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com.
1: And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch, request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number 10 in North America for Coldwell Banker last year and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the wall street journal's top 100 agents for 2021 she is truly an expert in her field her desire as well as that of her team is to not only achieve their clients goals but to exceed their expectations so let them do just that and we'll be right back with the kern county real estate review here on knzr
3: Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM. Now that's smart.
1: We're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And Lori, before we jump into our topic today, we had a listener ask a question. What if someone is thinking about selling their home, and they're concerned about finding a home to buy at the same time. Is there a way they can sell and buy at the same time, or will they need to rent a home between the sale of their current home and the purchase of their new
2: home? You know, Adelaide, that's a real concern that a lot of our sellers communicate to us. You know, if you're in that situation, rest assured, it is totally possible to sell your home and purchase a new home all at the same time. You know, usually, Uh, There's no need to rent or to move in with family between these two transactions. With a skilled and experienced realtor and a little negotiation, you can do it all at once.
1: Oh, that's great because I want to avoid both of those, renting (laughs) and moving in with family.
2: (laughs) I can't say that I blame you. I mean, I love my parents, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, how could you help make this happen then?
2: Well, so in our industry, we call this concurrent closings. So that is when we have um, a common escrow situation where a client is conducting two real estate deals and wants them to both close on the same day. Most commonly, clients request a concurrent closing uh, for the situation that we just discussed, right, where they're selling one home and they want to buy a new home and they need the proceeds from the one that they're selling in order to buy the new home. Um, And this would allow them to sell their current home and move right into the next one. Mm Okay, well, that sounds simple enough. Well, I might have made it sound simple in reality, um, but I don't really want to give the impression that it's a breeze or a walk in the park because, frankly, it's not. Mm. Uh, It's certainly very doable, and at the McCarty Group, we feel confident in our ability to execute this because we've done it hundreds of times. Uh, But the reality is that concurrent closings require an experienced and a dedicated agent managing the transaction. I mean, effectively, what we're doing is coordinating the simultaneous closing of what could be two complicated transactions, each with their own important details, timelines, and personalities, into what appears to be one seamless single transaction where both homes close at the same time. Quite simply, to make all of this happen with a minimal amount of stress on your part, you're going to need an agent that knows what they're doing. Someone that's used to thinking out of the box and finding creative solutions to make things happen. An agent that's going to work tirelessly for you and in many ways who's going to try to move heaven and earth so that those stars align just right so that you can move right out of one home and into the next one. So just remember, it is possible with the help of an expert.
1: Mm, Okay. Well, that's great news. And of course, we know where they can find an expert, right? Absolutely. (laughs) You know,
2: we'd be delighted to help them because we have years of experience and hundreds of transactions making this happen. Or they can call their own favorite experienced realtors. Now, without further ado, I'm honored and excited to introduce our guest today, Mark Kanyab of
0: Appraisal Access. So good morning, Mark. Good morning, Lori. Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, absolutely. So help our listeners get to know you a little bit better.
0: Well, my name is Mark Kamiab and I'm the founder of Appraisal Access. Um, we're an appraisal firm based here in Bakersfield and we cover the Central Valley uh, up until uh, up in Tulare County and Fresno as well and, and some areas of Kings County as well. Um, I've been doing this for about 20 years So I've seen markets uh, go up and come down. I've lived through the 2008 crisis and seen all that. and I'm excited to share some uh, some information that'd be useful to your listeners today.
2: Perfect. Tell us how you got started in the appraisal business.
0: Well, it's kind of a funny story. It's nothing that I had planned. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, wake up one day and go, you know what, I think I'm going to be an appraiser. It was kind of... <laughs> right. Uh, People don't do that, do they? <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, you want to be an astronaut when you're a kid or, you know, you know fire fireman. Or, but real estate appraiser isn't something that was on the radar until I graduated from university, and I actually needed to find a job. And um, at that time, it was the beginning in the early 2000s, and I had a friend of mine who I'd gone to school with, and his father had been an appraiser for 35 years. And at that time, the real estate market was really starting to pick up and boom in the early 2000s. And um, his dad had decided, uh, rather than hiring just random appraisers as his business grew, to provide career opportunities for his college educated, um, for his son's college educated friends. So bringing new appraisers in the industry. So I was very fortunate to have a mentor that had uh, 30 plus years experience and that was willing to take me on.
2: That's wonderful. So for our listeners who might not know, can you explain the job of an appraiser?
0: Yes, so um, a real estate appraiser's job um, or responsibility really involves providing an opinion of market value Mm -hmm. um, to a lender um, when we're discussing real estate transactions such as purchases or refinances, is providing an opinion of market value to the lender um, so that that lender can use that opinion of market value to determine the amount of collateral that they have to, to use against lending money out to that borrower. So they want to know, basically, worst case scenario, if they get stuck with the home, what are they, what is the value of that home?
2: Okay. Um, and that would be the value of that home as of the date you do the appraisal
0: yes so i mean uh you know we can't read into the future we can we can there's obviously data that comes in that gives us an idea of what the future is going to look like but yes they want to know as of the date of um the inspection of that property uh and the condition that property is in what is that home worth
2: okay perfect and so to become an appraiser, um, are there is there any sort of certification or training or licensing that is required?
0: Yeah, so there is, and, it, and it's pretty stringent, actually. Um, it's been pretty stringent. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background, before, I believe, like the mid-'80s, there was no licensing requirement at all to become an appraiser. You can just literally put up a sign in front of a... So-
2: you just wake up one morning and decide, I and want to say, be an appraiser.
0: Hey, I'm a real estate appraiser. <laughs> and so uh, it's evolved a lot since then. And um, there's been a, been a lot of ups and downs uh, since the mid-80s in, in real estate, just like any other market cycles. Um, and throughout each market cycle, uh, there's been more uh, guidelines and regulations to ensure public trust and that that uh, appraisers are uh, credible and reliable and um that they're doing their job appropriately and with integrity.
2: Okay, perfect. So before we get too far into our discussion today, um let's let's define a few terms that I'm I'm sure we'll talk about frequently throughout our discussion. Um that way we make sure that everyone is on the same page. I heard you make this distinction recently at a um seminar you were giving, and that is, can you explain to our listeners the difference between what a property may be worth and what its value may be?
0: Yes. So um, worth and value sometimes get uh, conflated and and almost used interchangeably, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're actually two different concepts, really, because what a home may be worth to you um, may not be what. A home may be worth to a different buyer right um, there might be certain features of that home to you that you've always dreamed of that you know there's already certain upgrades and remodeling that was done which you don't have to do so for you it's worth a certain amount to have all those benefits and all those things already done for you mm-hmm. um, there may be another buyer that doesn't necessarily like the remodeling or upgrades to that home and so what that home is worth to that buyer may differ um, we saw that a lot in the increasing market, the rapidly increasing market through COVID, where people, what a home was worth to a buyer um, often exceeded the listing price mm-hmm. of, of what that home was. So we saw a lot of homes going above asking uh, with multiple offers. Um, some of that had to do with the the lack of inventory, right? but also um the other aspect of it was what that home was worth to that particular buyer and whether they were willing to pay X amount over the asking price to ensure that they were the uh, buyer that was gonna get their offer accepted. Right. And so that's worth. Um, in terms of market value, uh, which is which is the opinion that we provide in, a, in an appraisal report, market value is is different. Market value is, uh, more un- unbiased, really. And it's based on data. It's based on actual sales that have closed. Okay. So okay. that's what helps inform and and put together an opinion of market value is actual evidence that you put forth in your appraisal report that then goes to the lender mm-hmm. um, and gets scrutinized and mm-hmm. make sure that, hey, the s- sales that you selected are appropriate. And to the lender, they look at that sales data as proof uh, that the opinion you've come up with is based in reality. Okay. Right? So market value often actually is backward looking because we're looking in the past for closed sales. Right. It's not always indicative of what's happening now or what's going to be happening in a month or two from now. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, that is the best information that a bank can rely on to make a lending decision
2: and I have often said to my clients that uh, unfortunately um, appraisals are historical data it's what happened yesterday last week last month whereas many times in a forward moving market what we're seeing in terms of activity is actually what's happening today, what's happening right now. And unfortunately, um, the market just doesn't, an appraisal can't take that into consideration um, until that buyer that the home was worth $10,000 more than the last home that it sold for, until that buyer closes on that new home and that becomes the new comparable that you as the appraiser can use as a value
0: correct? That's right. And actually you brought up a really good point and something that I I don't know if if many uh, people are aware of, even realtors. Um, But per guidelines for conventional lending and even FHA, um, an appraiser is capped by how much they can, the opinion of market value they provide cannot exceed the highest closed sale in that neighborhood. Again, remember it's evidence based, right? right? So if nothing is sold for five fifty in a neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Then at the highest closed sale is five thirty, let's just say. Right. The appraiser is not able to provide an opinion of value higher than five thirty. Even though that property might have had multiple offers and all sorts of things.
2: Even if it might be larger than the one that sold for five thirty. Is Th- that true?
0: That is also true, yes. Wow. So that's something to consider, and again, it goes back to evidence-based opinions of market value, right? Mm-hmm. So the next question I always get when I bring that up is, well, if that's the case, how do property values ever go up? Mm-hmm. And um, I think we all kind of, or, or at least those that have been following real estate, saw it, saw it happen during the increasing market that was happening during the incredibly low interest rates that we saw was there was an incredible appetite for housing and so when a property went on the market um, within three to five days you may have 10 offers on the same property and again what that property may be worth to one buyer Mm -hmm. right may differ from another buyer so you'd get multiple offers some offering to pay more than asking price right right Right. so in that scenario a seasoned realtor uh, will select the strongest offer not necessarily always the highest offer but the strongest offer right and um, agents were very quick uh, to pick up on the fact that hey we are limited in what we are able to how high we are able to appraise a property so there were um, uh, a common common terms of the contract were buyers willing to pay x amount over appraised value not to exceed the purchase price
2: right or they were willing to pay the purchase price regardless of what it appraised for.
0: And that's exactly right. So let's say the highest sale was 530, but that borrower was gonna pay 550 regardless of the purchase price. Well, once that sale closes, that's evidence that we can use and sales data that we can use to now justify the fact that, hey, this market is actually increasing and the new bar, the top end of the, of the range that we're able to appraise a property is now 550 and not 530. That's fantastic.
2: So what are you seeing? You know, I know you don't have a crystal ball, just like I always say, I don't have a crystal ball either. But what are you seeing on the horizon that might um, be impacting um, where values you see they might be headed in the future?
0: Well, that's a very good question, and um, I, I certainly have my opinion of it. But in order to, I think, fully get into that, I'd like to take a couple steps back and go back into March and April. Okay. Um, and what we saw happening in March and April. What we saw happening in March and April is there was still relatively low inventory and, and a massive amount of demand for mm-hmm. housing. Mm-hmm. And what that turned into was a frenzy of people not wanting to miss out on interest rates prior to them going up. And um, so that resulted in in properties selling very quickly and a large amount of appreciation over a very short period of time. As interest rates increased, we saw that buying power decreased. So the same buyer that would have qualified for a $400,000 home may now only qualify for a $320,000 home. Well, all this had... An impact, and resulted in some softening of those increasing property values, and in certain price points, at certain price points, um, mostly above four hundred fifty thousand, we saw that m- most impactful. Okay. Um, most properties priced four fifty and below, were still getting a lot of interest and in activity, and those above were where we're seeing the activity slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, as interest rates peaked in June, um, what you also started to, to see and hear is a lot of negative sentiment. Anytime you turn on the TV, there was talk right. about recession and and inflation and uh, just a bunch of negativity coming out. And all of that feeds into people's psyche, mm-hmm. right? Because
2: perception is reality. Perception
0: right? is reality. So. Um, A lot of people that lived through 2008 and and the financial crisis that followed, right, Mm -hmm. are now thinking to themselves, wait a minute, is this the right time to buy a house? And even though there is still that strong demand for housing, some of these people wanting to buy a home were thinking, wait a minute, should I sit on the sidelines for a bit to see if property values drop? right, Or to see if there's another meltdown in the housing industry and I could get a bargain in a year from now Mm -hmm. so that's what we saw happening through June and July and through July I started to see some momentum shifting Um, some some momentum shifting in terms of sentiment narrative that you would hear and again a lot of that has to do with psychology and, and the way people are feeling about this big decision that they're, they're about to make in their life. So um, we saw a, a slowdown in terms of, of buyer demand, right? They're sitting yeah. on the sidelines waiting to see what happens. Um, people still wanted to buy a home. They just didn't weren't sure if it was the right time to do so. Well, through... The interest rates basically peaked in June, and since then, they've been steadily declining. Mm-hmm. Um, a few weeks ago, we got a surprise, and we saw that the you know, new jobs added was actually double the estimate, which kind of shook the narrative of, of hey, maybe the Federal Reserve is going to slow down on their rate increases, right? right? And so um, interest rates shot up just for a little bit. But what I'm happy to report, and what I was hoping and expecting and praying to see Mm -hmm. was the consumer price index report that came out last week. And fortunately what that indicated is that we reached peak inflation in June. Mm -hmm. And that now uh, the consumer price index coming in at 8.5% against the 8.7% that was expected. So it came in better than expected. Right. has started to shift the narrative. Mm -hmm. And immediately what you see in that is, uh, in addition to that, is um, a reflection in in the uh, bond market. And what a lot of people don't know is that mortgage interest rates follow the 10-year bond a lot closer than they do moves of the Federal Reserve. Right. Actually. So if the 10-year bond is coming down, or Mm -hmm. downward trending, that Mm -hmm. means mortgage interest rates are soon to follow. Exactly. So I am looking at this as a very positive development that we've turned a corner, that we've Mm -hmm. hit an inflection point and that we're headed in the right direction and that interest rates um, will start to trend downward, Mm -hmm. um, making affordability within range again and uh, allowing some of those that were priced out in June to now be able to qualify again.
2: Wow, that is fantastic news and and a great uh, forecast, I think. Kind of echoes my own sentiments, so I'm I'm glad to hear that from such an expert. Um, This was a real informative introduction, uh, and I'm sure um, our listeners have learned a lot. Um, I think this is a great place for us to take a short break. Uh, but before we do, Mark, please tell us how we can reach you.
0: Well, you can, uh, our offices are located, our headquarters are located off of Oak and 18th, 1800 Oak, Suite B. And you can always reach us uh, by emailing us at inbox at appraisalaccess.com. And that's access.com. Or you can reach us on our office line at 661-825-8800. Perfect.
2: We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Laurie McCarty on 1560 AM, 977 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back.
3: you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD. Online, The themccartygroup.com. That's the themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing.
1: You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661 661- Six six five seven six five three, or go online to com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group, or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at the Kern County Real Estate Review. There, you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on-air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Mark Kamiab of Appraisal Access. And Mark, appraisers, home inspectors, you guys aren't the same, but you seem to do similar things. Like I've heard of inspectors calling for repairs and appraisers calling for repairs. I mean, how are inspectors and appraisers different?
0: Well, that's a really good question and uh, and a good place for me to the distinction so a home appraiser again the primary role of the home appraiser is to provide an opinion of market value for a lender to make a lending decision Um, and the primary role of a home inspector is to do a thorough inspection of the home that the person is purchasing um, to note any deficiencies or or infestations or you know things of concern that might create a burden for that buyer down the road. So a home inspection is actually a lot more in-depth. They'll get up on the roof. They'll go inside the attic. They'll you know do a whole bunch of things that is not really in the scope of work or in the wheelhouse of an appraiser. Um, so while a home inspector may recommend repairs, um, I, I'm not sure if they require them. Um, an underwriter may require them based on the report they get from a home inspector. But basically a home inspector tells the buyer, Hey, here's what you're buying. And this is what condition it's in. Right. Mm. Um, The appraiser, on the other hand, um, although we do do an inspection of the home, what we're actually doing is we're more there to verify that what is on public records is actually what is being sold. So if, on public records, you see a 2,000 square foot home with four bedrooms and three bathrooms. Um, we're going out there. We're measuring the property. We're walking through and taking notes in terms of the condition of the property. Has it had any upgrades, remodeling, that sort of thing. And we also want to verify that the, what's what's on public records, what the assessor has on record for that property, is in line with what we gathered the information that we gathered at the time of inspection. So for example, if I go to that same house, it's supposed to be 2,000 square feet and four bedrooms and three baths, and I find that it's 2,700 square feet and it's got five bedrooms and three and a half bathrooms, the lender's going to want to know, wait a minute, what's going on here? Please explain that discrepancy. So. That's part of, part of the inspection that we do and the measurements that we do at the time of the appraisals to just make sure that what a homeowner thinks they're buying is actually what they are buying. Um, and the other thing is we go and we look to verify uh, upgrades, remodeling, updates done to the home, the overall condition. Does it back to a freeway does it or highway? Does it back to a busy road? These types of things that would impact the marketability of that home. Um, a home inspector would not be doing that. home inspector is solely focused on the condition and attributes of that, that home itself. Does that make sense? That does. Thank you for clearing that up, too. You're, you're and, uh, the That's th- a
2: great question, Adelaide. You'd, you'd be shocked at the number of clients I've had that really haven't understood the difference between the home inspector and the appraiser.
1: Yes, yes, because you think about it and you're like, wait. What's the difference? Yeah, because you got to pay for both. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I'm going to save my other question for a little bit later, though.
2: Well, no, you're welcome. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Well, the last segment, Mark, you mentioned something about people were uh, sitting on the sidelines to purchase, thinking like, you know, will I get a deal in a year? We were talking about that a little bit, looking at you know the mortgage rates and everything too. I just want to know, can't because there are people that they they don't know. They're like, okay if I wait a little bit, the prices are going to drop. But I just feel like that's kind of a risky place to sit at because we don't really know. I mean, in your opinion, will there be deals in a year or so? So so
0: so I'd love to answer that because I get asked that quite a bit. And actually last week, uh, you know, helped shape what I'm about to to say now with the consumer price index report. And I think, you know, the momentum shift that that's going to create. So. I get asked this question. I've been getting asked this question recently quite a bit. Is this this a horrible time to buy a home or is this a good time to buy a home? And in my opinion, this is actually a fantastic opportunity to buy a home. And I'll explain why. Um, We have had extremely limited inventory up until basically June in July, we've seen an uptick in inventory, so there's more options on the market right now. You're getting people sitting on the sidelines. So some of these properties are, are available actually to give you a chance to find them uh, before they sell in three days. Mm-hmm. And that's a healthy thing. And the other thing is, so while you have a lot more options to choose from, you also have again, because there's going to be those those buyers with reservations or hesitations, um, you know, and I understand that because of, of what we went through, two, through 2008, mm-hmm. and maybe we can get into why I think that's different. Um, there's opportunity for you to find a great home, one that you love, and not have to be bidding against five or six <laughs> other people, All right? right? Mm-hmm. And because of the... I, I, don't, I think we're at a, at a pivotal point where we're just transitioning into these lower interest rates. I think that it's given buyers more, um, more opportunity to negotiate and potentially ask the seller for some help with closing costs or, mm. or other items that three months ago the seller would say, no way. Yeah. It just, mm-hmm. The
2: seller would have laughed at you three yeah. months ago. Absolutely. I, I think you're 100% right um, with that assessment i really do um so when you you know when you talk about 2008 um i am constantly saying this is not like 2008 this will not be like 2008 so from an appraiser standpoint um tell us how you see this market compared to 2008 um do you see it as similar? Do you see it as different?
0: I see it as completely different. The fundamentals are completely different. The regulations that have been put in place since 2008 have created a much more healthy environment um, for mortgages and people that own homes. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-2008, people were getting loans based with ze- with 0% down, 100% financing, based on no... like paycheck or stub or anything you could come in and say hey i make two hundred thousand dollars a year and that lender would write it down you'd get a slightly higher interest rate but they'd still give you that loan Mm -hmm. so what that created was a lot of speculation there was people buying a bunch of properties you know wanting to jump on the bandwagon the fear of missing out and all that so what you had was a bunch of uh homeowners that actually weren't qualified to own those homes because they weren't making enough money to cover the mortgage right and so there was a lot of toxic debt, and there was a lot of predatory lending back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- a lot of that has been eliminated through the regulations that are in place now and the disclosures that are required at the beginning of the loan transaction. Right. Um, so a buyer is aware of the fees and all that, and so they're not surprised you know, by, by a fee that was slipped in there at the end. So I think we're in a much, much healthier market and th- that was driven by real demand not exactly. specu- n- and not speculation, Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, um, you're not going to see the bottom drop out there. I I don't anticipate there being a 20, 30 percent drop. I mean, that to me was the result of just horrible policy pre 2008. And uh, as we know now, and you're even seeing it reflected in the rental rental markets. There's a huge demand for housing, huge demand.
2: It's a real shortage. Um, whether it is to purchase or to rent um, there is a true shortage of of housing
0: correct that, that's right and so you know what I was saying is like hey this is actually a great opportunity for you to find the home you love and if you want to give yourself a little bit of an insurance policy find a home that you're comfortable living in for the next five to seven years mm-hmm. and let's say property values do take a dip of ten percent or whatever I do not think they were they're gonna exceed that um, but let's say they do 10 15 percent something like that within five to seven years you're gonna be right back if not ahead of the game mm-hmm. you know the worst case scenario is you sit on the sidelines okay and go I'm just gonna sit there and wait for the house prices to drop and then in three years you're looking back and go gosh <laughs> I should have bought three years ago.
2: Right, because instead of dropping, they've gone up your average of 4 to 5% per year. And now, instead of it going down 10 to 15% over that time period, you're up 15%, and so you've had a 30% loss,
0: effectively. Mm-hmm. That's right. And while interest rates right now are, you know, in the fives... Mm-hmm. Um, I strongly believe that, you know, once we get through this period of uncertainty in the economy, that interest rates will live between four and five percent, which is where they really lived since Mm -hmm. 2008. Mm -hmm. And I think that is that is like the sweet spot to to basically support the market and the prices that that have followed. Right. 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 I think if you get into, you know, I've heard predictions, hey, we're going to get interest rates of 8%, 9%. And I think that is ah, incredibly unlikely because it would destroy so much wealth in this country. Mm -hmm. I just don't see it happening.
2: Well, and it's hard for us. You know, we've become (laughs) such a fast-paced, fast-moving society. It's really hard for us to stop and look back just four short years ago and realize that in 2018 interest rates were 6%. That's right. It seems like that was a lifetime ago, but it was just four
0: short years ago. That's right. And so even if the interest rates seem on the higher end of what you wanted, Mm -hmm. understand that COVID and those interest rates were an anomaly. They were. And I don't believe that we'll be going there again. I don't either. So know that if you're getting an, uh, an interest rate, in the mid fives, low sixes, something like that, that you will have an opportunity, just historically speaking, you will have an opportunity to refinance that mm-hmm. once the economy normalizes again. And the interest rates go back to where I believe is the proper support for where we're at today.
2: That makes complete sense mark we We tell buyers all the time let's focus on finding your forever home because this is not your forever loan
0: that's right, exactly, right? exactly, yeah. and so think about those people that bought in twenty eighteen at six percent right mm-hmm. they didn't know that interest rates were going to drop to two point whatever they did two point five and right. they they bought early, they benefited from that huge run and appreciated appreciation in the value Absolutely. and then they were able to refinance and now lower their mortgage mm-hmm. to a very very you know very much attractive rate. exactly
2: yeah so when we look at um uh an appraisal being done on our home um is there anything as a homeowner that um you could give us as advice uh that that we might want to do to prepare for that appraisal, whether it's for a purchase appraisal or refinance appraisal?
0: Yes. So I'm going to just give you like the most common things that most lenders require. And this will just kind of take one little hiccup out of the whole process. Okay. Okay. And it's a very simple fix. Um, There's a couple pieces of California legislation that, that relate to, um, uh, homes in California, and mm-hmm. one is smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, and your water heater being double strapped because we have seismic activity here in california those are those are health and safety mm-hmm. features and although they have nothing to do with the value of a property, almost every lender asks the appraiser to comment on the presence or absence of smoke detectors, and one carbon monoxide detector outside the sleeping quarters or bedrooms of, of the home okay mm-hmm. so that's the requirement for that smoke detectors in each bedroom, one in the hallway outside the, the bedrooms, one carbon monoxide detector outside the hu- hu- in the be- in the hallway outside the bedrooms and uh, a smoke detector in the common areas. So that's a simple thing to keep in mind and then just ensure that your water heater is double strapped.
2: okay easy enough. Yeah. All right. Um, what about if we have done all kinds of upgrades and improvements to our home? Do we need to provide you with a list of those? Does that, is that beneficial or helpful?
0: It's absolutely beneficial to provide that list. It's not essential, it's, okay. but, it, but it is beneficial. Most seasoned, experienced appraisers can walk into a property and see... Um, you know, after you've seen so many thousands of homes, <laughs> I like to use this analogy. It kind of becomes like the matrix where you're like neo and uh-huh. you kind of just <laughs> you just start to see things you know that the ordinary person wouldn't see right. Um, however, the list is incredibly insightful in terms of things that we can't see, right. like upgraded plumbing and other um, other upgrades you may have done to the home that aren't visibly apparent
2: right. Does okay. that make sense? It does. So if you've gone in and had your entire home repiped uh, with PEX plumbing, for example. That's right. Um, that's something that you as an appraiser might not know, but that would add value if your home were 30, 40 years old,
0: right? That's exactly right. Now, I'd like to follow that up with not all home improvements provide the same return on investment. Of course. And so... An improvement like changing out your plumbing that's inside the walls and actually can't be seen by a potential buyer coming in, Mm -hmm. they're not gonna appreciate the true value of Mm -hmm. what you put in, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So that may not be reflected in what you get out of that investment. But let's talk about uh, an improvement or an upgrade that is significant and that almost always has has a significant impact on the overall marketability of your home. And that is updating or upgrading your kitchen and your bathrooms.
2: Right. Aren't those the two most, um, the two improvements that give the greatest return on investment?
0: Absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. Okay. 100% agree with that. Yeah, because when you walk into a home, you know, you walk into a home and you realize that flooring relative to a remodeled kitchen is relatively affordable, mm-hmm. right? But when you walk in and you see a beautiful kitchen with a nice backsplash and nice countertops and you walk into that bathroom, and you see, oh, the vanity has been replaced. There's mm-hmm. nice quartz countertops. It gives you a feeling that this property is updated.
2: Right. It's elegant. It's sophisticated. That's it's right.
0: new, so That's to right. speak. Mm-hmm. That's right. And again, relatively speaking okay, there may be some dirty carpets in the bedrooms and stuff like that, but when you do a cost breakdown of what it would cost to replace that carpeting, it's Mm -hmm. nothing compared to what it would cost to replace or update the kitchen and bathrooms.
2: Right, it's as if the hard or the expensive things have been taken care of and what's left for you to do is generally fairly minor. I I also liken it to the fact that if you have a 30-year-old home and the heating and cooling has been updated or the roof has been updated. Again, it's, it's those non-sexy items, right? <laughs> but those things that, that typically cost a lot that have been taken care of. Um, and so you as the incoming homeowner don't have those issues you have to worry about.
0: That's right, right. that's right, exactly. And that impacts the overall marketability of a home and what a seasoned realtor will recommend um, in terms of the listing price,
2: absolutely. So, are there any factors that could hurt a home or depress the value when it comes to an appraisal?
0: Yes, um, I would say you know the the biggest factor would be location. You know, mm, and mm-hmm. and maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but location, location, location. Right. So, um, a home backing a busy road um, is going to have an inferior marketability. Than one that's a home in a cul de sac that backs another single family residence. And so you take two homes that are exactly the same and you put them in those scenarios, and which one are you gonna wanna live in? Right. Right? Are you gonna wanna hear that traffic noise, the potential of someone being able to jump over from that, uh, your fence from that busy road, or knowing that you live next to a nice family that's behind you? Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I do.
2: I do regardless of how many times those sellers say, oh, but I never hear that noise anymore. I know you don't hear it anymore because you've lived there for 20 years, but initially, I'm sure that that home sold for less than the one across the street um, or that it took some getting used to for you initially.
0: Yes, and it's not not that there aren't ways to mitigate that noise or anything like that, but in terms of marketability, Again, you take two homes that are identical, you put one back into a busy road and one not, and which one are you going to want to live in? Absolutely.
2: Um, so I know that you have appraised properties all throughout California. That's true. Um, Can you share with us an experience of maybe uh, the most exciting home that you've appraised or maybe the most outrageous property that you've appraised?
0: Well, um Yes, so one of the most incredible homes I ever praised was actually a celebrity home. Oh, it was about ten thousand square feet, an architectural gem built mm-hmm. out of concrete and glass. Ooh. okay, and the, and this home had glass, like I would say, twenty feet glass walls oh, that wow. would slide and move. Mm-hmm. And the way it was built, it was very contemporary and. The way it was built, the swimming pool actually went underneath a portion of the home.
2: Oh, how! So neat.
0: when you wanted to go from the dining room to the living room, you actually crossed the bridge. Okay. <laughs> that went over the swimming pool. It was it was really really something something to behold. It oh, was, it how It was an incredible piece of architecture.
2: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I what mean, I've I've appraised all sorts of stuff. I've appraised homes that that are like a home that was completely octagonal in shape Ooh. which was very unique mm-hmm.
2: um i bet that was tough to measure
0: <laughs> it kind of <laughs> is actually with the <laughs> angles and everything uh-huh. trying to figure it out and come uh-huh. up with the perfect octagon um yeah and i've also appraised stuff you know on dirt roads and i remember getting started really early on i was i was out in this very rural area and the home was on a dirt road and i had a ford explorer at the time and i was like i could do this got a uh-huh. four-wheel drive so i'm driving down this road and all of a sudden i hear one of the tires kind of clicking clacking Mm -hmm. i'm like oh no i think i got a flat tire and i get out of the car and i realize both my rear tires Mm -hmm. are flat Mm -hmm. and so uh that was a fun day yeah
2: yeah i've I've had that experience before yeah not so much fun Mm -hmm. well adelaide before we let mark go do you have any further questions for him
1: Uh, one thing I was thinking about too, and I'm I'm a little infatuated with the whole 08 09 thing Uh that you were there. Um, I think bank owned, and and I and I think okay when you got bank owned, I felt like that popped up a lot after.
2: It did back then. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so so I'm thinking we you were involved as an appraiser in the bank owned homes as well.
0: Yes, so we did see a lot of bank owned homes, and again, a, a lot of the reason why the you know bank is concerned about market value and not what a home is worth to a certain buyer is mm-hmm. because they want to know worst case scenario what am i stuck with how, how how much can we offload if we have to repossess this home right and so in 2008 2009 because of a lot, lot of the tar- toxic mortgages that were out there um and these these buyers that were really unqualified to have like five homes right all of a sudden they're not paying their mortgages anymore you had a bunch of these homes that went back in the possession of, of the banks, so they become real estate on homes and, um, and they do impact the market. Uh, I, again, I don't see that happening now. Um, we have we, we just had a very strong jobs uh, report mm. that mm. came out. Um, there's a general labor shortage, and um, you know, while wages aren't increasing as inflation had been, going up, um, you know, we still have a strong jobs market as well. So I don't anticipate people not being able to make their mortgages because they're being, these mortgages are being vetted very strongly. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I, again, I'm not saying there's not going to be any foreclosures, but um, I, I, I don't think they're going to be a, a significant factor.
2: From what I'm seeing, Adelaide, you're going to have just your normal standard uh, Amount of, of foreclosures. I mean, every market has foreclosures. Mm. Um, that is just a factor of of real estate. Um, but you, I, I do not anticipate that you will have the heavy levels of foreclosures that you saw in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Um, the banks have learned their lessons, as Mark said. They are making far better loans than they were back then. And they, uh, from day one of the pandemic, they reached out to borrowers who might have been in trouble and offered solutions, uh, which was a completely different scenario than the 2008-2009 market, where they were not uh, willing to consider any type of uh, workout solution at the time. Their position back then was, nope pay or lose your home. They learned their lesson. So, um, And the latest stat that I saw was that those borrowers who opted for some type of forbearance in the pandemic, um, 89% of them were out of forbearance uh, and uh, leaving only 11% that still had some type of workout plan to uh, obtain, so I don't I don't see huh. any any huge issue there.
1: That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. very good thing. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you, Mark, for taking time out of your day today to be with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, you have, for having me. Absolutely, you have given us a wealth of information. Um, and before we let you go, please tell us one more time how we can reach you.
0: Uh, you can always find us at 1800 Oak Street, Bakersfield, 93301. Um, you can email us at inbox at appraisalaccess.com. That's A-C-C-E-S-S And you can reach us at 661-825-8800.
2: Perfect. As always, a heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today and for tuning in every week. Today, we've connected you with Mark Konyap at Appraisal Access, and hopefully we've helped you understand this appraisal process a little bit better. I know I've learned a lot of things today, um, and I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Remember, if there are details of today's topic that you'd like to revisit, or if you know someone who would enjoy this information and couldn't tune in this hour, you can catch our Encore presentation on Sunday morning at 8 a.m., here on KNZR, just before Sean Hannity. Or if that doesn't work, you can hear this and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Kern County Real Estate Review and listen to your heart's content. Last, but certainly not least, you can hear replays on our website at themccartygroup.com. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Wishing you and yours a blessed day. And a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 977 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on knzr.com. We'll be back next week.